0: Father in heaven as we come to study the book of Daniel once more please bless us with wisdom from above and show us the way that we ought to walk so that we can be like Daniel so that we can be like Jesus teach us i pray through your word and with your holy spirit as our prayer in Jesus name amen. amen i just want to really uh recap what we did la- last class And we just covered the first seven verses of Daniel with the introduction. And we looked at how Nebuchadnezzar came and besieged Jerusalem. And then he took certain children. Now one thing that I forgot to mention last class was that he took children. Why not adults? Because children are more impressionable at an early age. You see, when uh, you get to a certain age, you're pretty much set in your ways. You can't really change that much, except by the grace of God, of course. But why did Nebuchadnezzar, you see he was very smart. He took only children, not adults. Why? Because they were more susceptible to change and be influenced by their surroundings. And remember, how old was Daniel? He was 15 when he was taken to Babylon. And they were very special types of people, of course. I mean, the king only wanted people who was no blemish, well-favored wise, understood sciences and these sorts of things and we saw a combination of physical, mental and spiritual education that they were getting. Physical from the food that they ate, mental from the learning of the tongue of the Chaldeans in verse 5, verse 4 and also spiritual in the changing of their names. And we saw these three things and how Satan also use, utilizes these three aspects in educating. And so does God. And so I want to give, take you through a few examples, actually quite a number of them. So stick with me as I give you a few examples of how God as well as Satan uses physical, mental and spiritual. Now we already seen one example which is in Daniel 1. But let me read this quote first, okay? From Child Guidance. C.G., page 186. Child Guidance, page 186. It says, The physical, mental, and spiritual capabilities should be developed in order to form a properly balanced character. So if you want to have a well-rounded character, if you want to have a character of Jesus Christ or like Daniel, we have to make sure we get a physical, mental, and spiritual education. All three, you cannot neglect one or else you fail to develop a balanced character. All right. Now let's turn to a few examples. First is found in Genesis 3. First example, Genesis chapter 3. Of course, we know this to be the temptation of Adam and Eve. And of more Eve than Adam. But in Genesis 3, this is what we read. Starting with verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God hath made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. So the first thing that was brought up is what? What's the first subject matter that is brought up? Fruit of the tree, which is what? Physical. And then it says, And the serpent said unto the woman, verse 4, Ye shall not surely die. Verse 5, now watch this. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, What's that? Physical. Then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Mental and also spiritual. spiritual. You be as gods. Now look at this, verse 6. She also reasons it as well. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, what's that? Physical. And that it was pleasant to the eyes, physical again, and a tree tree to be desired to make one wise, mental. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband and he did eat. So really, what was missing there for them? Spiritual. Eve and Adam, of course, they desired to be like God in character, but they never thought or entered into their mind to be as a God, right? So that's one of the things that Satan tempted them on, physical, then mental, then spiritual. No good and evil, you'll be as God. But what did it start off with? Physical. That's one example. Now let's go to another one, the temptation of Jesus. Now we're not going to turn to it in Matthew, but what were the three temptations? First, Satan tempted him, Jesus on what? Turn stone to bread, physical, right? And what's the next temptation? Bow down and worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms. Sounds like it's spiritual, but it's more mental. Why? Because the third temptation was when he took him up to the top of a temple, right? It's a high peak, and it says, jump off. And what happened? What did Satan do? He quoted Scripture. <laughs> and your angel shall bear thee up that you won't dash your foot against a stone. Right? So even the temptation of Jesus consisted of these three things, physical, mental, spiritual. Some more examples, and I'm going to give you a multitude of them, okay? Luke chapter 2 and verse 52. Let's go there. Luke chapter 2 and verse 52. Luke 2, 52. Another example that we see physical, mental, and spiritual all combining. Here we see an extra one you all there? Luke chapter 2, verse 52. The Bible says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He increased in wisdom. What's that? Mental and stature. What's that? Physical and in favor with God, spiritual and man, social. Physical, mental, spiritual and also social. Of course, we're seeing that the spiritual is the most important. But where does it always begin? Physical. Let's look at another one. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. Jesus also worked in the same way as well. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. Matthew 9. Verse 35, we find that Jesus also worked in the same manner as well, the same way. Matthew 9, 35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, social, teaching in the synagogues, what's that? Teaching in the synagogues, mental, Mental. and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, Spiritual. spiritual, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people physical so Jesus and worked in the same way physical and mental spiritual social as well he was social let's look at another one mark chapter 12 mark chapter 12 verses 30 and 31 the commandment the greatest commandment contains this as well mark chapter 12 Verses 30 and 31. We all there? Mark 12, 30 and 31. The Bible says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Did you see that? Love the Lord your God with all your what? Soul. All your heart. What is that dealing with? Physical, not quite. What is? Where is the heart? Mind. So that's mental. With all thy soul. That's more spiritual. With all thy mind, mental again, and with all thy, strength, physical. So the commandment there is given as well, and it encompasses everything. We ought to love the God, our God, with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. All three areas has to be covered. You don't just glorify God with your mind and you think on Him all day and then you go eat all sorts of things and you don't glorify Him through your body. Strength. Okay? Here's another example. Creation of Adam. What's the first thing that God did, like commanded Adam to do? mm And God placed Adam in the midst of the garden and says what? Well, you shall dress it, take care of it. That's what? Physical. And then he got him to name the animals. And that's what? Mental. And then after that, he was naming all the animals says, where's my partner? God gave him Eve. That's social. And then after that, he rested. Spiritual. So even in the creation of Adam and Eve, there's physical, mental, spiritual, and social as well. Now, we're also sanctified in these three areas too. First Thessalonians. Am I going too fast? Okay, I'll slow down a bit. Let me recap for the Adam one, okay? Physical, God gave Adam to work. Mental, He got him to name all the animals. Social, He gave him Eve. And then spiritual, he gave him the Sabbath to rest on. But we're sanctified in these three areas, physical, mental, and spiritual as well. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. We're sanctified in these three areas of physical, mental, and spiritual as well. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5 and verse 23, the Bible says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, what's that? Spiritual. And soul, could be more mental, and body, physical. Be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, in some ways, we're seeing that in these three areas, God wants to sanctify us as well. Physical, mental, and spiritual. Holistic education in terms of a wholesome education. And He wants to sanctify us in that way as well. Now, I'm going to give you two more examples. Revelation chapter 14. Pardon me? Yes. Not in sanctification, but on... Physical, mental, and spiritual. Three angels' messages. The first angel's message, the message that we should be preaching, involves these three things, physical, mental, and spiritual as well. Let's go. Revelation chapter 14 and verse 7. The first angel's message, it says, saying with a loud voice, fear God. What does it mean to fear God? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. What's that? Mental. Give glory to Him. Whatsoever you eat or whatsoever you drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. What's that? We just had mental, fear God. But what's this one? Whatsoever you eat or drink, what's that related to? Physical. So, give glory to Him is physical, for the hour of His judgment is come and worship Him. What's that related to? Spiritual. So even in the first angel's message, there's this. Physical, mental, and Spiritual. Start off with fear God, beginning of wisdom, mental. Give glory to Him, physical. Worship Him, spiritual. But then come with me to verse 9, the third angel's message. Through and through, we are seeing that Satan is also fighting for this as well. The third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image, what's that? Spiritual and receive his mark in his forehead, what's that? Mental. Or in his hand. Physical. So through our actions, through the way we think, or the way we worship, we could also be on Satan's side. So there's just examples upon examples to show us that physical, mental, spiritual, all are lining up with the sort of education that we're receiving and the sort of character that we're going to have at the end of time in order to able us to stand. But if we go back to Daniel, see in the light of all this, why is this so important? Why is all this so important? Let's go back to Daniel chapter 1. And we're going to finish off the rest of these verses for chapter 1. We're already at verse 8. We've already seen in the education of Daniel and his three friends, they also had physical, mental, spiritual. The physical being the king's meat and wine, spiritual in the changing of their names, and mental in the learning of the tongue of the Chaldeans. So to make them think like them. But in verse 8 it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank, Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, this verse is the key verse in all of this chapter. If there's any verse that you ought to be memorizing in Daniel chapter 1, it's this one. Daniel purpose in his heart. Now, but it says here, but. That word but signifying a contrast to what was being received. But what is this contrast in relation to? You see, It says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, you see, when Daniel purposed in his heart, when he made a decision in his heart, now why first does it say heart? Where's the heart? Point to the heart. The heart. No. It's here. It's the mind. Matthew 12, 34 says, Out of the abundance of the heart, heart, the mouth speaketh, okay? So we know that it's relating to the mind, but why the heart? You see, the heart is the seat of our emotions. It's not enough to purpose mentally. It's not enough to say, yeah, I know that's wrong. A a smoker knows that it's wrong to smoke. He reads every time he gets out his pack of cigarettes. It says smoking causes what? Cancer. Every time a person smokes, he knows it's bad. It's going to cause him cancer. But why doesn't he stop? Because his heart, he can't overcome. You see, it's not enough to know that the king's meat and the wine is bad. But if you don't purpose in your heart, not mentally, just your forehead, your higher power, but that you don't bring under control your passions and your desires, you're never going to have victory over that. So Daniel first purposed in his heart the seed of his emotions. He says, I'm not going to eat of the king's meat or the wine. Therefore, as a result of his purposing, in verse 8, Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. When you purpose in your heart, it always leads to action. You cannot make a decision and just stand there and not do anything about it. If you purpose in your heart not to smoke anymore, you throw all your cigarettes away, you throw the ashtray away, you throw away anything that reminds you of cigarettes, or that will tempt you or lead you to go back and smoke. So when Daniel was in the heathen court and he purposed in his heart not to eat of the king's meat or the wine, to drink of the wine, he then requested, it leads to action. A purpose in your heart has always got to lead to action. You can't purpose in your heart and then just do nothing about it. You're not purposing in your heart then. So a decision you make always leads to action. Now, out of the three aspects of education that Daniel was receiving at this time, physical, mental, and spiritual, what was the most trying? It was the physical. You see, there's nothing wrong with learning the tongue of the Chaldeans. It's like learning Spanish. There's nothing wrong with that, right? And if people change your name, you can't stop them from calling you that name. But one thing that you can help is not to eat of the king's meat or the wine. So really, the most trying circumstance out of the three aspects of education they were receiving at that time, it was the education of physical education, the diet. The other two you couldn't really avoid. You understand what I mean? So the most trying circumstance that they were being placed in at that point in time was physical education. Keep that in mind. It will help us understand why the rest of this chapter focuses on diet. Let's continue on. Verse 9. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Who had brought him into favor? It was God. You see, although Daniel said, You know what, I'm not going to eat of the king's meat or the wine, he didn't stand there arrogantly or defiantly. I can imagine him saying, You know what, Melzar or whatever this guy's name was, I don't want to eat of the king's meat. Of the wine. You know sometimes when we stand up for truth we do it in such a way that it's offensive to everybody and nobody wants to follow it, you know. But yet Daniel had got to this point where God brought him into favor with the prince of the eunuchs and there's a there's a noble way of standing up for truth. It doesn't always have to be cutting against everybody and saying oh you're sinning. I mean Daniel was not the only one with his three friends that were in the court there eating the king's meat, right? I mean, look at this, verse 10. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse liking than to children, which are what? Of your sort. Daniel was not the only one and his three friends that were brought from Jerusalem. This verse 10 indicates it clearly that there were other children from Jerusalem that were taken into Babylon. And Melzar points to them, Hey, all your other friends—they're not eating. They're not complaining. They didn't say, "Oh, king, can we? Uh, Sir, can we have all uh, pulse and water to eat and drink?" Daniel and his three friends were the only ones that purpose in their heart, and Melzar was the one that pointed to all the other children. So there were other people, and Daniel could have said, "Well, they're in apostasy. We should—they shouldn't be eating the king's meat and the wine." <laughs> he didn't do that. But sometimes we point out others and to make ourselves more righteous. But yet there's a noble and dignified way of standing up for the truth. And that is exactly what Daniel did. But it also helps us to understand, you know, in the last days, when we're taken into captivity, so to speak, there are going to be people there that will come with you, but they're not going to adhere to the laws of what God has asked us to obey to. And the worst thing is that they're going to be pointing to, all the worldly people are going to be pointing to those that aren't obeying and saying, why are you so different from everyone else? What's wrong with you? (laughs) Nothing wrong with us. It's wrong with those that don't want to obey the Lord of God but still profess to be His children. You see? And so, Melzer says, then shall ye make me endanger my head. So, this begins the test of the diet. And Melzar says, you know what? I don't want you to look like you're all skinny and anorexic. I don't want to put you onto a vegetarian diet and cause you to be skinnier, and then I'm going to lose my head. Verse 11. This is how Daniel responds. Then said Daniel to Melzah, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. Verse 12, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Verse 13, Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants. The first thing is, look, give us ten days. Give us ten days and test us, just to give us pulse and water. What does the word pulse mean? It just said, a seed that is sown is a vegetable. So they were on a vegetarian diet, okay? They ate vegetables and they drank water. That's all they had. And they said, look, let our countenances be looked on. He told Melzar, look, test us physically outwardly. If we don't look better, then you put us back on the king's meat and the wine, okay? And what happened? Verse 14, So he consented to them in this matter and proved them ten days. Verse 15, And at the end of the ten days their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. So they appeared fatter and fairer. Not literally fatter as in obese. Now you've got to understand, was Daniel on this diet before? Before Jerusalem was conquered by Babylon and they were taken captive, do you think Daniel was eating a vegetarian diet before? Or was he eating king's meat diet? He would be on a vegetarian diet, right? Or he wouldn't ask for it again. So he, as we read this, reason this out, he must have been on a vegetarian diet. So it's not that his health improved per se, but that the children who came from Jerusalem eating the king's meat and of the wine, their health degraded. Do you understand what I mean? Because if you used to be eating this sort of diet for all your life, for 15 years already, and you, you stay on it, it's not like you're going to suddenly improve in 10 days, but that the health of the children who have not eaten the king's meat and the wine before, their health would degrade. Do you understand what I mean? So really, we're seeing the effects of meat in the body, and very fast as well. But moreover, I mean, on the flip side, we could understand that Daniel probably had walked how many miles or distance from Jerusalem to Babylon to be brought to the king's court, so he may have been quite skinny. But regardless, we know that from this text, look, if you're on a vegetarian diet, and you're skinny and looking sick, you're in the wrong, you're not eating wholesome. Vegetarian diet does not make you skinny and weak and looking tired. If it does, then you're not eating correctly. We need to understand that because you see, many of us go to the vegetarian diet and sometimes we just eat anything and everything. Vegetable, don't, don't, know, don't care what it is, veggie mean, and that's all we eat, you know. But not realizing that, you know, if we eat meat, we actually get all the proteins, but actually a lot, much more all the hormones that they inject into the meat now. But if you're to be a vegetarian diet, you really have to watch out for your diet. You have to be careful with how you manage your diet. And that's why some people just fail miserably because they're not having a wholesome diet of nuts, fruits, grains, vegetables when they change from being meat to vegetarian. But of course, if you're not vegetarian, prove God 10 days. Your health will look much better. A lot better. Let's continue on. Verse 16. Thus Malzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine which they drink and gave them pulse. Verse 17. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. First point. How many of them had knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom, all four of them, have you ever come across any vegetarian that was stupid before, that was mentally challenged, yes or no, I have. Is this text saying that if you become vegetarian, you're going to be really smart? Yes or no? In a way, vegetarianism helps your mind to be more sharp. Clears the mind because physical affects the mental. But just because you're vegetarian, it doesn't mean that you'll be smart. What was the reason, if we look at verse 17, what was the reason that God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom? It's not because they actually became vegetarian. They were already vegetarian. It wasn't because that they continued their vegetarian diet. Yes, being vegetarian helps you mentally to be smarter and more alert, that you can study and retain more. But the reason why God blessed them was because they were obedient to what He commanded them. That's the simple thing. If you want to be obedient, I mean, if you want to be smart, just learn to be obedient. We see this in the first angel's message, the fear of uh, God, right? Now, what does fear God mean? In Exodus 20, verse 20, it says what? To keep His commandments. To not sin. And if we're not sinning, we're keeping His commandments. So we're being what? Obedient. And then it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if we're being obedient, then He gives us wisdom. So really, the wisdom that came to Daniel and his three friends was not because they were being vegetarian. The test that came of, to, on their obedience was whether they were going to be vegetarian or to eat of the king's meat and drink of the wine. But really, the test was a test of obedience. So really, if we look at chapter 1, yes, it's a test on diet, but really, we could call this a test of obedience. God was testing Daniel and his three friends in the little things because He's preparing them for future things. But then it says in verse 17, And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And I'm going to go on a limb by saying now that, you know what? We all need to be like Daniel. We have to have an understanding of visions and dreams. Why? Because if you come with me to Joel chapter 2, let's go there. Joel chapter 2 and verse 28. Just two books over. Joel chapter 2 and verse 28. This is what it says. Joel chapter 2 and verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. In the last days, it tells us that there are going to be young men that are going to understand or see visions and understand dreams, the old men. Now, the model that we're given is a model of Daniel. If we want to understand dreams and visions, we need to have a life like Daniel. And yes, that means we have to be vegetarian. Sister White tells us in inspired writings that there's going to come a time when we're going to have to give up the eating of meat. There's going to come a time in history, or could I say, in the future. But to me, it's already historical. Because the time, I believe, for us has already come where everybody that is sincerely looking for the second coming of the Lord has to give up the meat. Why? Because the meat is just not healthy anymore. I'm no rocket science and I can't prove to you everything, but from the studies that I've seen and from the books that I've read from other people, it is clear that meat eating is dangerous now to our health detrimental. So if we want to have understanding of visions and dreams, and not that no one will understand if they eat meat, but if we really want to fulfill the prophecy of George 2.28, we need to be like a Daniel. But really, underlying all that really is a test of obedience. So the question that comes to you today is not, are you vegetarian? But of course, it comes to you now as as you've heard and studied Daniel chapter 1. We really ought to be vegetarian. But the question that really we should be answering is, what are we not being obedient in? You see, to every man is given a certain amount of knowledge, and we all are at different stages. God has given us different amounts of knowledge and understanding from the Bible to be obedient to. And I can't point to another man and say, well, he's not doing it, so I'm not going to do it. If we all wait for each other to be obedient to God's Word, we'll never be obedient. You understand that? You see, we have to be obedient to what we know from the Bible. Don't force your convictions upon anybody else until you understand where they stand with the Lord. Because you can't tell people to be vegetarian when they don't even know what the difference between clean and unclean meats are. You see what I mean? So every person is given a different amount of knowledge. And we can't judge them from the exterior until we know exactly where they stand. But our purpose is in educating, giving light, So when people come across it, they understand, this is what I need to be obedient to. And we don't look across at that other person who is sitting in the same class and say, well, he better be obedient to it as well. Daniel didn't do that with his other friends that were there in the Babylonian courts, did he? He didn't point to all the others. Hey, you guys, don't you know that you shouldn't be eating the king's meat and drinking the wine? He didn't do that. He just said, purpose in his own heart. I will not. So we're seeing clearly over and over again it's a test of obedience in the little things. Verse 18. Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, at the end of three years, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king communed with them, and among them was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. Now at the end of three years of education, Daniel and his three friends are ushered in to the presence of the king. And he stands there before them. It says the king communed with them. The king conversed with them and talked with them. And it says that in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them. Who inquired? The king was the one that actually questioned them. He didn't bring them before a panel of people and say, Okay, people, ask Daniel and his three friends a question. No. The king said, Bring them in before me and I'm going to question them. And it says in verse 20, He, the king, found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. It helps us to understand that, you know, Nebuchadnezzar was a very, very, very intelligent man. He was able to tell from just questioning Daniel and his three friends, he was able to discern that Daniel and his three friends were ten times smarter than everybody else in the kingdom. Shows us that Nebuchadnezzar was very smart. And moreover, if we're going to make a great application, not to say that Nebuchadnezzar is because he was converted later on, but Nebuchadnezzar could have represented the devil there then. The devil's very smart. He knows who are the elite and who are the top people. And that's why he brings children in whom no blemish, skillful in all wisdom and understanding, well-favored, understanding all sciences. He brings them in and he wants to train them for his purpose. Satan's also seeking for intelligent people too. But here we see Nebuchadnezzar, very intelligent. And if you want to be 10 times smarter than everybody else, it's not just about being vegetarian. Once again, vegetarian plays a part, but what is it really ultimately? Obedience. Test of obedience. And then it says in verse 21 that Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. First year of King Cyrus. You know, we ought to be the head and not the tail today. As people who understand the book, who understand Daniel Revelation, who have proper interpretation from people and prophets that have gone before us, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be seeking other authors for wisdom. God should be giving us the wisdom. But the reason why we're not is twofold. We're not being obedient and we're not obeying the health message. As a people of the book, as a people who say the Bible and the Bible only, why are we not so smart today as we ought to be? Why aren't we ten times better than everybody else? It's because we're not being obedient to the health laws. We're not being obedient, full stop. We're still struggling over clean and unclean meats. Obedience in little things, we're still struggling over that. And that's why, no wonder God cannot bless. But you know, If we can overcome these struggles on an individual basis, God will bless. He didn't bless the whole of the Israelite nation. He didn't bless corporately everybody there because everybody wasn't partaking of pulse and water. He only blessed Daniel and his three friends. Giving us another understanding that at the last days, the remnant is going to be very small. Very small. And the greatest opposers of us are going to be those that once walked with us side by side in the faith but are giving it up already. And God requires obedience but only a small number is going to follow. Sad but true. But then it says Daniel continued into the first year of King Cyrus. At the end of chapter 1, the first chapter where it talks about Jerusalem being conquered by Babylon, it mentions at the end that Daniel continues unto the kingdom of Medo-Persia. Daniel, we, we see three kingdoms mentioned here. Jerusalem, goes, Daniel goes from Jerusalem to Babylon to Medo-Persia in one chapter. Now, once again, I want to mention that this is the foundation for the whole of Daniel, the whole book of Daniel. Not on whether you're going to be a vegetarian or not, but whether you're going to obey God in Everything. Despite whether the multitudes are following or not, Exodus 23 and verse 2, it says, Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do sin, a multitude to do evil. You know, the majority was never correct. It never has been and never will be in the future to come because the majority will be following after the beast at the end of time in Revelation. But we're told clearly in Scripture that we shouldn't follow a multitude to evil. Exodus 23 and verse 2. But I want to leave with you three quotes from the Spirit of Prophecy in closing this chapter today. The first quote is found in Prophets and Kings, page 486. PK 486. It says, True success in any line of work is not the result of chance, or accident, or destiny. It is the outworking of God's providences, the reward of faith and discretion, of virtue and perseverance. Fine mental qualities, that means those that have a clear mind and a high moral tone, that means high standards, are not the result of accident. It doesn't, you don't just suddenly wake up and say, wow, how did I get to be such a noble man? It doesn't happen just like that. You don't wake up like that one day. It says, God gives opportunities. Success depends upon the use made of them. Every day with each moment passing, God gives us opportunities to develop our mind and also our spiritual well-being. He gives us the opportunities. He doesn't say, hey, you better. He doesn't, he's not like our parents, smacks us when we don't. But it says, success depends on the use made of them. That's the first one. Next one, CC247. What is CC? Can you look it up? CC247. What does CC stand for? 247. conflict Conflict and courage, thank you. Conflict and Courage, page 247. This is what it says. In acquiring the wisdom of the Babylonians, Daniel and his companions were far more successful than their fellow students, but their learning did not come by chance. They placed themselves in connection with the source of all wisdom, making the knowledge of God the foundation of their education. So what was the foundation of their education? The knowledge of God. John 17 too, this is life eternal, that they might know God and His Son Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. But that was their foundation. In faith, they prayed for wisdom and they lived their prayers. It's not enough to pray, God, help me to be holy. You've got to want to live holy life. They placed themselves where God could bless them. They avoided that which would weaken their powers and approved every opportunity to become intelligent in all lines of learning. So they had to avoid, there was a cross to bear too, they had to avoid certain things, but then also bring on and make use of opportunities that were given them. So even in the work of God in developing a character, there requires on our part self-denial and obedience. And lastly, Prophets and Kings, once again, page 488. PK 488. A noble character is not the result of accident. Once again, emphasized. It is not due to special favors or endowments of providence. So God does not say, well, you look like a more handsome man and I'm going to give you more blessings. He doesn't do that. He's not, he's not per se, like favored towards, toward a certain group of people or a certain man. But it says, it is a result of self-discipline of subjection of the lower to the higher nature and of the surrender of self to the service of God and man, physical, mental, and spiritual again. It is a result of self-discipline, physical. I don't feel like getting up, but self-discipline, you discipline yourself. Sleep early, wake up early, different things. Of subjection of the lower to the higher nature or the lower powers of the mind to the higher powers, that means your, your higher powers of reason, conscience, judgment are controlling your lower powers of passion, carnal nature. It's got it under control. So it says, the body says, wow, that meat smells nice. And that wine just looks so nice to drink. But the higher power says, God says we should eat of it. Don't drink it. And then the lower powers is always going to come up with that. But it just looks so good. You see that? But you see, the noble character is a result of self-discipline, of subjection of the lower to the higher nature, and then of the surrender of self to the service of God and man. Self-surrender, spiritual. So we're seeing here a harmonious development of physical, mental, and spiritual throughout Daniel chapter 1. But the main thing that really caught everybody at that beginning was physical. The thing that God has kicked out of of the Garden of Eden at the beginning was physical. Saw that it was good for food. But really, the food was not the issue, it was a test of obedience. And the strongest test of obedience comes through physical or food. Why? Because that appeals to our lower nature. And that's why Sister White says, if we can overcome in the area of diet or appetite, we can overcome any sin. Why? Because the greatest struggle is always going to come from within. That mind that wars against knowing what is right. So that's why. If we can overcome in the area of appetite, you we can overcome like Daniel did, with peer pr- pressure against him, with being in a heathen court, Not saying, "Uh, Mom, I don't feel like eating it. It's not good. Well, you possibly could have your head chopped off for not wanting to eat it. Daniel still stood firm in his integrity, in what he knew was right, because God said so. Obedience. So this is Daniel chapter 1, the foundation chapter for us to help us to understand why Daniel understood visions and dreams in the future. But foundation of it all, obedience in the little things. All right, let's end with prayer. Let's kneel. Father in heaven, thank you so much for giving us such a high standard in the life of Daniel. You didn't place one that was of God there, but you showed us that even in human form, man could obey. And Lord, we need to be like Daniel in these last days. We need to be like Jesus. Help us to overcome in every area of appetite, Help us, Lord, to harmoniously develop our physical, mental, and spiritual powers, that we won't be dwarfed, that we won't be lopsided in our development of these understandings of education. But most of all, Father, help us to make the Bible and Jesus Christ our foundation of education. Bless us and walk with us throughout the rest of this day is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.